every other position, they get compensated for their production. But when it's time for the running back to get paid, it is atrocious what they're doing to them. They're not appreciating them. They're not valuing them. And come on. Come on, guys. Come on, GMs. Come on, owners. Take care of these guys. The running backs are crucial and vital to your success. And if you don't have a Patrick Mahomes, you are going to need one of these backs to help you get to a playoff and to a Super Bowl. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. You heard Mark Ingram right there talking about the running back position and the state of the running back position. He was very adamant as he was on, I believe, his Fox debut uh, on the broadcast there for a, a preseason game that took place on Sunday. And, of course, there's a lot of conversation around the running backs as we've talked a lot about Josh Jacobs before he got his deal done. And then Jonathan Taylor, he's still out there and did not get a deal done and did not get traded, so he's on the pup list for – and he'll miss four games to start – the regular season. Join us now on the phone lines to talk about that and a whole lot more is Ben Standick from The Athletic. And Ben, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you. And Ben's piece is out right now. NFL agent survey, 23 reps on Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Rodgers, Roger Goodell, and more. And it's a fantastic piece on The Athletic. And Ben, before we get into it, uh, this is the fifth time that you guys have done this there on The Athletic. What kind of goes into it? To, like, Take us behind the scenes on how you put this together. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me and thanks for asking. Um, yeah, I, I got I, just to go back in time. You know, when I was uh, getting like after the athletic, and you know, you're trying to figure out how do I, you know, what, what can I do to sort of stand out a little bit? What what's some part of this whole landscape that hasn't been touched on yet? You know, we always hear obviously from players and coaches and executives and others, but the agents are so interesting because they are, you know, in the mix at so many of these things. They obviously represent. The players, they obviously deal with agents in front offices when it's negotiating contracts or discussing, you know, whatever kerfuffle might be happening. Same thing with the coaches to a degree. And they have such an interesting view of the league. Um, and, and and so it was like, hey, well, what do they think about these different topics? And it's kind of evolved uh, from that. Uh, you know, I, over the course of the year, I try to think, what are some topics that could be of interest? Obviously, a lot of what's in the news in the moment matters. And then once you know, I get a, a feel for what I want to ask. I start, uh, you know, hitting these agents up. Some of them are repeat customers. Others are, are new. Uh, probably about a third of the group this year were, were, were new to the uh, to the survey. And, uh, you know, I try to get a good mix of agents who are, you know, representing the biggest and some who might have three clients who are trying to figure it out. But, you know, they're, they're earnest, they're hardworking, you know, and, uh, you know, they've got they've got thoughts as well. So, yeah, it's, it's always a fun project for me, and I'm glad I get to uh, get to do it. Well, I'll tell you, uh, the running back position and just what the state of the running back position has been something we've talked about quite a bit. Obviously, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, they all held the franchise tag. They all got their deals eventually done, but they were nothing long-term. They were all one-year deals, basically. And then Jonathan Taylor still in Indianapolis, and he did not get traded. So what was the overall feeling of the agents when it comes to the running back position that, oh, by the way, they're trying to represent and get the most money for? Yeah, um, you know what was interesting to me, and and the I sort of like just kind of started the asking the agents questions when the running back conversation really started, you know, blowing up. What struck me is I think what struck a lot of these agents was sort of the idea that it was so odd that people were getting so irate about it. I mean, not the individual players. I mean, you know, good for them. I get it, but. Like, this has been going on for a while. We've seen the devaluing of the position, right? And it's going to 
you know, is going to trickle down. Look, if you play fantasy football, you know there's only so many running backs for any at any given point that are sort of the bell cow. There's not many of those anymore. And it's because there's so many options available that teams can, um, you, you know, they don't have to rely on any one player. And then we've seen guys not get paid second contracts and so on. And I think a lot of the agents are like, look, we feel bad for these guys. We do. I mean, they deserve it. But it's a market thing, no different than, you know, any other uh, commodity you you might be able to purchase or, 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 or you know, uh, spend money on. Right. Some things go up, some things go down, and that's just how it is. And none of them blamed collusion. I know I've heard that said from some people that this must be an, a league thing, an owner thing. I, none of them really no, – nobody went that route to say clearly there's cahoots going on. I, it's purely – a marketplace situation, and right now running backs are just not viewed as something you want to spend a lot, a lot of money on for the most part because you can find those options. You know, look, Kansas City last year is a perfect example, right? Isaiah Pacheco, a seventh-round pick, was totally serviceable and then some for a team that won the Super Bowl, and that's kind of where things are right now. Right, that's the end-all, be-all goal is to, is to win the Super Bowl. And, you know, I know a lot of fans get upset and say that the teams aren't doing right by them, but at the end of the day, I, I, like I've been saying, Ben, it's not really even on the teams. It's just the nature of the position right now, and I don't even think agents can do too much except for what they're doing, which, like, we saw Josh Jacobs get a little bit more than the franchise tag. He got 11-something million and then potentially up to 12 with the, you know, incentives. But at this day and age, it feels like these one-year deals is what these teams are going to do for now on for at least a while. Yeah, and, and, you know, look, I mean, the Niners gave up a lot of picks last year to get Christian McCaffrey, who is arguably, you know, he is one of those true difference makers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, two teams this year in the draft spent top 12 picks on running backs. Right. It's not that people don't think there's value, but those running backs are going to be under uh, on a rookie contract for four years. You're get, you're picking them right off the vine. But after B. John Robinson, you know, bangs around for four or five years, we'll see is Atlanta going to – Pay him? I don't know, but for right, right now, they're willing to invest in a guy who could be a difference maker. But that's you know, in four or five years, they may be like the way we see with some of these other teams, where you're like, we really like the guy, but we can get something, I don't know, seventy cents on the dollar, eighty cents on the dollar, and pay a lot less, you know, than, than what you know this running back is going to want on a multi-year deal. So yeah, they're in a tough spot. I mean, look, things could evolve. It's not impossible, but. Uh, you know, and, and the agents had some ideas, you know, maybe there's a way to create sort of uh, an all-purpose, like, you know, playmaker position type deal so running backs and receivers can get lumped under the same umbrella a little bit. Maybe that would help. But, yeah, there's no – ultimately, it, it is just the market dictates, you know, prices just like it does with everything else. Right, there's no doubt. Ben Standing from The Athletic is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Now, uh, these agents have to deal with, you know, front offices and GMs and teams, and I'm sure that those conversations came up as I was scrolling through your piece. And is there is there an overall favorite that, that agents enjoy to work with? Is it easier to work with some franchises than others? What was the overall thoughts on just agents having to deal with individual teams? Yeah, I mean, I think in general the, 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 the vibe is – uh, they can't stand any of them. Uh, you know, all the, ultimately, all the front offices are the enemies. Um, you know, which I think we all get to a degree. But right. yeah, I mean, there are some that you know that 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 are you know they like more than others. I mean, like a guy like Chris Ballard with the Colts, his, in, in the 
in the four first in the first four years I did this, he was the one constantly being lauded for a variety of reasons. Um, and you know, there's still a lot of respect for a guy like that. Ironically, though, this year he didn't get the number of votes in different categories, in part because of how their quarterback situation has blown up, and all, you know, at least before picking Anthony Richardson, and then just how the Colts have underachieved. At some point, you know, nice is not enough in terms of how, how you view these people. Um, on the flip side, like a guy like Howie Roseman with the Eagles, you know, he got a lot of praise in this in this one, but it was a lot of begrudging praise. Like he's a guy that like they all know. Oh God, he's going to try to you know, screw us or, or or whatever whatever phrase they would use. But right. you know what are you going to do? He 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 does a really good job of of putting together a roster at, at a good value across the board. And you know you got to like a guy like like that. I mean you know you know everybody has their own flavor. It's ultimately you know no different than just finding you know which of your coworkers do you like to deal with. You know, so you re- you may recognize somebody's really good at their job, but they're incredibly annoying, uh, or the flip side. So uh, I don't know if there's any one team that, like I said, that there's uh, some universal love for or one GM. But uh, you know, ultimately they're all like, oh god, all these GMs are terrible. We don't trust them, and and uh, you know, I'm sure the GMs probably feel the same going the other way. You know, I wanted to ask you about GM Dave Ziegler with the Raiders. I mean, he's only been – this is his second year, so he's he's been new in the game when it comes to being a GM. Overall, what have you seen as far as, like, how long does it take for a GM to kind of establish who he is across the landscape of the National Football League? Um. Well, like, obviously, you know, these they don't just come out of, like, the woodworks to become the GM. They, they were, you know, a personnel director or a right. college scouting uh, lead or something. So like they've been around and therefore they've talked to these agents. Uh, you know, a guy like Omar Omar Khan in Pittsburgh, he uh, I think he's only been a GM. What this is his second year, I want to say. Mm-hmm. But in the category of who do you trust the most, he got a bunch of votes because I guess people really just like um, how he goes about his business. I-, I will say that we didn't have a category of who do you trust the least. Right. Um, we have had that in previous years. Um, but in just you know, in 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 having you know, bantering with these agents, uh, I would just say Dave Ziegler was not necessarily one of the more popular uh, people. Uh, <laughs> you know, we'd have to go I'd have to get into more details as to why. But like, yeah, you know, he he wasn't viewed particularly favorably by some, and I think the Raiders as a whole. Uh, you know, this was obviously discussed before the Jacobs thing. Right. But, you know, you look at some of the situations. Uh, and people were still like, eh, I, I, the Raiders have some room to grow uh, as an organization in terms of the front office, in the view of a, a lot of these agents. How much of that do you think comes from the fact that, that this new staff in, in Vegas came from New England? Um, it's a good question. I mean, I think there's you know certainly some of that look, look like as a commander's reporter right my, my primary job like you know <laughs> should they make a coaching change next year i guarantee you one of my thoughts will be please don't hire somebody from belichick staff right <laughs> because th- that that would be a lot to deal with and so i imagine there is probably something you know to that i mean that said there are people who really do enjoy dealing with belichick or nick casario mm-hmm. in houston so it's not again some universal thing and some people prefer a more direct approach um others want to uh you know have a casual banter in addition to negotiations. So, you know, different horses or different courses for different horses. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's ultimately the, there's probably, I guess, a feel that the Raiders are still trying to find their footing 
with what uh, you know with, with what their uh, process is, their operation, and uh, you know, I, look, I, it is all pretty pretty new. So I think some of the, yeah, um, there, there's definitely some questions, at least from some of the agents. You know, Ben, you you said that you know you cover the Washington Commanders and you do a great job doing that as well. How much has that changed? Like, how much has the the feelings changed now that Daniel Snyder is no longer the ownership? Is there kind of like that black cloud lifted off the team? Yeah, like the the day that the sale became official was more or less like the day that the, the rookies reported their training camp, and uh, I forget what year that was the uh, summer of love. But that's kind of what it felt like around here. I mean, people were, you know, the sun was out every day, even if it wasn't out. You know, uh, people were, were were a lot happier. I know I've had, I, I always use this anecdote, but like over the over the years, I've had friends tell me directly that they don't read my work because they can't deal with anything commanders related. To which I'm always like, oh, great, thanks for that. I, subsequently, now those people. They, they're asking me questions. How does right. Sam Howell look? Uh, you know, what do you think about Eric Bieniemy? You know, whatever it is. And, and there's definitely a lot more engagement. You know, I think it's still going to take time to win back the majority of the fan base, at least from like a ticket purchasing standpoint. But there's definitely uh, a lot more hope and optimism uh, with Dan Snyder gone. I mean, there's no there's no doubt about, about it. You even see it in like some you know business ways. Like they you know. What NFL team doesn't have a beer sponsor, right? Well, last year they lost theirs. Uh, Budweiser went away, and immediately Budweiser has come back now. Wow. Uh, Hazard Bush. Uh, you know, and, and they're not the only one. They even have a deal with uh, 50 Cent uh, Cognac Company. So, like, you know, uh, people are starting to embrace them on the business level, the fan level. And, uh, you know, ultimately people are going to want to know about, hey, can, can you win some games? But, you know, uh, step first. The Wicked Witch is dead, and now – uh, let's let's walk. Start walking towards the Oz and see what we can do. Yeah, that's I I, I could tell I, even the preseason game that uh, I wouldn't say when they played Monday night against was it Baltimore right. Washington. That was the that yeah. was a good preseason game. I just seeing all the fans in the stands, they looked like they were just celebrating just life, <laughs> right? So it looked like they were having a heck of a time. And of course, with Daniel Snyder being gone, a lot of those fans are going back to the stadium. Well, Ben, we'll close out on this. How about the Cardinals? I, I saw that they received nine votes as far as the most, uh, you know, the the franchise is the most unstable right now. What has to change there now that they do have a front office, a new front office, and new head coach in Arizona? Yeah, the the question was basically okay. If we're assuming that the Commanders are no longer that team, then who you know who has that? And you know the Cardinals. Well, there's a lot going on. You know, last year we remember the whole deal with Kyler Murray's contract, where they you know put in there that he's got to like do homework basically, and you know that they they have changed their coach and their front office, and maybe that will help. I mean, I, you know, that's reasonable to think. But right now, I, I think for some people it was kind of like even when they were having some successful years with. Tyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, that the operation still remain uh, problematic for a lot of these agents and just seeing behind the scenes of what goes on. Um, one agent told me he had a client who was, you know, considering Arizona, and that client spoke to a friend who was on Arizona at the time and basically was told, don't don't come here. Uh, <laughs> you know, go, go, go see, see if you can go somewhere else. So, yeah, ultimately it may just come down to, you know, with a new GM and coach, that that gets the job done. But, you know, as we see over and over again, everything starts at the top. And the Cardinals, you know, with their ownership, with the Bidwells, you know, they've been dicey over the years for for sure. So I don't know how much is going to change. But, 
at least they seem to recognize something did need to change. They did that. They're also looking like they're going to flat-out tank this year, presumably to try to get Caleb Williams, the USC quarterback. So they may be, they may look really messy this year by design, but, yeah, they, I don't know if they're going to they, – they may easily win this category again if we do it next year. <laughs> You're right. That's, that's a, there's a whole lot going on in Arizona. Ben, before I let you go, I just got a text in from our guy, Mailman Raider. He said, I got a lot of Jahan Dotson on my fantasy team. Can you ask my man how he's looking? So any, any fantasy advice on Jahan Dotson? <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't done a draft myself yet, so I don't know where his like, you know, average draft position is. But in terms of the player, I think Jahan Dotson is going to have a big year. He, he is just so smooth out there. He gets open. You know, last year he missed five games and he still had a team high seven touchdowns. He was actually, I think, tied for the league lead in touchdowns. I want to say with Stephon Diggs but until he got hurt in week four. Um, he he is like, you know, he, you know, he is just incredibly polished. Um, you know, I think he and Terry McLaurin form a really nice combination. And I think Sam Howell has looked fine at quarterback. I don't know if they're going to win 10 games or anything, but in terms of like running the offense, you know, putting up numbers, I think there's a decent chance of that. Yeah, I, I like Jahan Dodson a lot this year. Boom, there it is. Mailman Raiders feeling good about that. Well, Ben, fantastic stuff, man. A good good piece that you have out on The Athletic about uh, the NFL agents and, and dealing with different teams and different situations going on in the league. Anything else that you're working on that we should be on the lookout for? Um, you know, if you're into the commanders, I mean, obviously it's a big year for them yeah. between Eric Bieniemy, Sam Howell, and the new ownership. What does that mean? So, yeah, just, you know, constantly churning that out. So, yeah, if you're into them, check me out. Well, hey, great stuff as always, man. We definitely appreciate you giving us a few minutes of your time this afternoon. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yes, sir. There he goes. Ben Standing from The Athletic and Mailman Raider. There you go. Uh, two thumbs up right there when it comes to Jahan Dotson and fantasy football. You know I don't do fantasy football. I don't watch movies. I don't watch TV. <laughs> I don't do fantasy football. What the hell do I do? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I say that, Ari. The wife is downstairs thinking, yeah, what the hell do you do? <laughs> You're good for nothing. <laughs> uh, I, there's a couple things you do, I yeah. think. You have like get, 17 I, jobs. Well, yeah, exactly. But that's that's the only claim to fame that I have, but that's okay. Yeah, I'll, we got to get you on some TV, though. <laughs> every you. time. No, the truth be told, every time I try to adventure out of my little bubble when it comes to watching something, <laughs> I always fall asleep. Every single time. you work too damn hard, see? I, tr- I mean, I'm telling you, we go to the – like, sometimes I'll say, hey, wife, let's go to the movie. And she's like, all right, let's go. And then, like, I made the mistake of going to – or we made the mistake of going to, uh, what, Mission Impossible? The last one, and it's really long. Oh no! And look, I, if it's two more than two hours, I'm out. Right? I'm already done. It's already going to be a chore to keep me awake. But when you get to a little bit over two hours, it, you know there's no chance. So we went, and this is when Little Q was still here. He went back to school already. So we went. It was all of us at the theater, and I know I fell asleep immediately. And Little Q was sitting next to me. He just kept laughing. He's like, "Hey, wake up, old man." <laughs> Are you snoring is the question. No, no, it wasn't snoring, but the wife that's was like, good. oh, that's normal. He does that all the time. That's not like it's yeah, it's not even the fact he's old. He just does that. So that's that's his mm-hmm. M.O. But that is I promise you. And I think this has been my thing ever since I was little, though. If I laid down and I started to watch a, a TV show or even on the couch, if I just got comfortable, it was over. I was like, I have to. I'm that dude that's got to keep moving. If I don't keep moving, I'm going to get tired and, and get lazy. So that's why I keep it moving all the time. I, like I have to. If not. It's a wrap. That, but, that makes yeah. sense, honestly, everything I know. And <laughs> right. I agree with you about falling asleep. It, it is hard staying awake to watch stuff. I'm I, telling you, I, I think that our couch, we have this couch, and I think it must be the most incredible thing ever because every time <laughs> I sit on it, it's like I want to fall asleep. 
Yeah. I do this thing where I'm like, I mean, thanks to, you know, now we, we stream stuff. It's not just TV, no commercials. So you're just like, I, I do this thing where I'm like, Ugh. I pass out and I wake up like, yeah. and I'm like rewinding. And then, <laughs> all right, I'll watch this part again over. That's and then the funny. same thing happens like four times, and I, I I wake up at some random part of the show or the movie. It's, that, it's maybe that's why I like Law and Order SVU so much because I've seen them all anyway. Uh, so if I fall asleep <laughs> for a minute, then I wake back up and I know what's going on. You just hear that dun dun. And all right, of a but normally I don't fall asleep on on SVU and I don't fall asleep on Bar Rescue. But everything else, there's a good shot that I'm just gonna go ahead and fall asleep on it. So <laughs> you were a funny guy. There, I mean, look. I get all, it, though. I we all it. got our issues, man, and please believe your boy's got plenty of them. You could have worse uh, issues than not being a uh, a guy who watches several hours of TV like many people right. do. So We got this text. <laughs> this is a great text. I love it. On the WBroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r Adam Hill comes in and bashes our Raiders. Ben comes on and bashes our GM. Who else you got coming up to talk yeah. crap about our team, Q? That is funny. Thank you for that text. And the thing about it is when he was talking about Dave Ziegler and I, that's why I asked him. He's talking about from an NFL agent's point of view. So if the NFL agent isn't a big fan of Dave Ziegler, you know why? It's because he's not a pushover. That's exactly what you want. That's not talking crap. That means that that dude's not going to be easily pushed around. That's why when a guy like uh, J.C. Jackson, who I thought that the Raiders really should have gone after and got last year a free agency, when he kept pushing the issue and wanted more money and his agent wanted more money and Dave Ziegler said no, I have a, I have a, um, uh, I'm disciplined. I have a certain amount of money I'm willing to spend, and that's it. And they just walked away from that deal. The Chargers did not walk away from that deal. They gave him all the bank account and then some and got nothing in return. That's why, because Dave Ziegler is a really good business guy. Like, he's really good at handling his business, just like he traded Neil Farrell Jr. today after one year. Hey, it's not working out with him. Okay, we'll move on. That's why agents don't, I mean, remember, you're talking about from the agent's point of view. I think that that's, a, that's the highest compliment that you can get. If they like you, why do they like you? Because you're a pushover, and they get the most out of you and get the most money for their clients and put the most money in their account as a part of their cut. That's not, that's not bashing the Raiders. That's not bashing G, GM Dave Ziegler. It's actually giving him props. So, again, sometimes you have to listen to the context, where it's coming from. Sometimes, you, again, as I pointed out in the article, first thing first, NFL agent survey. NFL agent. That's that's guys representing players. Those are guys that are are, are representation. So yes, Dave Ziegler is not easy to negotiate with. That's a good thing. That means that you're not going to see any stupid deals. Like you shouldn't see any stupid deals where you see these big time contracts thrown out at nothing. I could even say that you know he probably looks at the Chandler Jones deal and probably says that that was a a mistake. But I think that there's a lot more discipline going on with the pocketbook when it comes to Dave Ziegler than we've seen before in the past. I mean, am I wrong? I don't think that that's I, – I just – man. Well, uh, I, I think you're right. I think he knows you're right because he said, well said Q. I'm being, Same I'm, texture. You, you, I'm you spot changed on. mind. <laughs> I'm spot on. There you Agents want to deal with a pushover. Agents want to deal with someone like me, right? Hey, um – this is what we need. Okay, done. Or, hey, this is what we're going to give you. Okay, done. Like I say it all the time, I'd be a terrible free agent. Like an off- the front office would offer me something, I'd be like, all right, take, take it. it. <laughs> right, exactly. Like Josh Jacobs played it right. He did what he needed to do to get the best for him. He did the best he could. I wouldn't have been that guy. They would offer me some money. I'd be like, all right, where do I sign? I'll be in camp because I'm, I'm not smart like that. That's why the wife takes care of everything on our end. <laughs> if not, we'd be, we'd be in the poorhouse, <laughs> right? We'd be struggling. 
She takes care of these things. I think that what Dave Ziegler does is great. And that's why I keep saying that I have so much confidence in him. Right? Now, the coaching staff has got to figure things out. They've got to figure out how to win. But I think Dave Ziegler, he, if there's one thing that he, he basically embodies, as far as I'm concerned, is, is, is confidence in what he's doing and, and steadfast with what he's doing. And he's not going to be pushed around. He's not going to be bullied into a bad decision. I can respect that. I think that all of us should. That's exactly what we want to see. And hopefully there's a lot less bad deals than there is really good deals. That's, that's, what, that's all I've been saying the whole time. Just like when they traded for Michael Mayer. They wanted to do that on day one of the draft. They wanted to trade up into the first round, but it was too rich. His words, not mine. It was too rich of a trade. So he didn't do it. And he waited till day two and then traded up a little bit and got a much better deal. That's exactly what you want for your GM. You want him to be a shrewd businessman. Right? That's, that's, that's again, that's perfect. Again, that's from an NFL agent's point of view, and that's why I talk to different people from different walks of life, from different angles, so you can get all different angles of the story. You can hear it from an agent's point of view. You can hear it from a player's point of view. You can hear it from other coaches around the league's point of view. That's why I try to get as much and as many educated people on as possible. Speaking of educated people, I got my man Ted Wynn from The Athletic. He's joining us next to talk all things Tyree Wilson. 13 snaps. What did he see from him? We'll talk about it next on Radio Nation Radio 920. You know, I thought he played hard. He saw a few different looks, which was good. He had to play a couple of different things schematically. We got to play him on both sides of the ball, which was a good thing. Uh, also got some exposure there, you know, and he's going to learn from some of the things that he saw. It's one thing to get close. Uh, the NFL is really not a league of close. He'll learn to finish that, which is what he did in college. But this is some good things to learn from today, for sure. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness. With your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. There you heard Raiders head coach Josh McDaniels talking about number seven overall pick Tyree Wilson. He made his debut on Saturday against the Cowboys in Big D. Uh, returned to the state of Texas where he played his college ball. Obviously there at Texas Tech with the Red Raiders. He made his debut with the Las Vegas Raiders on Saturday. Join us now on the phone lines from The Athletic is our good friend Ted Wynn. Uh, great film breakdown uh, at FB underscore film analysis. And Ted, thanks so much for your time and want to talk all things Tyree Wilson with you. And I know it's only a handful of snaps, 13 to be exact, but did you start to see glimpses of why the Raiders selected him number seven overall? Yeah, we, we also have to remember that not only is this his first game action, he, he's barely gotten to practice. I mean, the week before uh, with the joint practice with the Rams, he was just getting into his first practices where all he was doing was hitting the bags and hitting the sleds. And then he had some full contact practice, obviously, this week. And then, you know, he gets into a game. So this is very, very early into his recovery, very early into his NFL action. But, you know, the one thing that you want to see from him is you want to see that power translate. I mean, that's what his game can be built on. He's a big, uh, defensive end with long arms and you know his, his bull rush was one of his uh, best moves in college and you want to see him be able to knock guys back uh, because that's what his game's going to be built on and you know all the moves that he's going to add on everything is going to be built on that that speed to power rush that he has and we, we, we saw that power against the run uh, when he was I thought he had a pretty decent game defending the run he was playing some two gap technique which is uh, pretty tough, and I, I think you know he'll be one of the only Raider, Raiders defensive end that will be able to play that technique uh, well. 
And, um, you know, we saw that strong bull rush he had on, on first down, um, which led to a 12-yard quarterback scramble because he didn't locate the quarterback. Uh, but that's something he'll learn to do as he, um, as he gets more experience. I, I like that, the speed, the power rush, how you were explaining it. You put out a tweet, like, a, a, I think a day ago or so, or I was checking it out, uh, where you're talking about that, that, you know, he'll be able to go to more different tools based off of that. So what else do you see him implementing into his game that's really coming off of that speed and power rush? Um, you know, I, I think you could add, you know, counter to that. You could add a swim, you could step, set, set him up for a bull rush, a speed rush by him. I think he has to be athleticism to do that. Uh, but, you know, once you get that, offensive lineman trying to brace for your power rush, you know, that kind of freezes him a bit. And then that's when you kind of add on different counter moves to, to take advantage of that. What is the, what do you feel like Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, like how much do you think that they can help him grow and just kind of learn the NFL game and with all the raw talent that he has? Uh, one, I think, you know, for, for Max learning how to practice the right way. I mean, you know, when you watch Max Crosby at practice, he goes a hundred percent, on everything, he does not take you know any rep off. You know, even when he's not in the play or not in the rep, he he's engaged. And you know, if you could pick that up from Max, that's going to be huge just as far as learning good habits early on. And as far as Chandler Jones, I think Chandler Jones is, you know has a very similar body type as him, so he can learn how to uh, make his speed to power rush more consistent. He can learn how to put together a rush plan based on his speed to power. You know, and I think Jones is. Um, one of the savviest pass rushers in the league, and he, that's why he's been so productive for so long. So that's a great those, – those two guys are great for him uh, to learn from. Ted Wynn is our guest here from The Athletic on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness, talking all things Tyree Wilson. Uh, they're a couple weeks away, right, the first game of the season is September 10th against Denver. How do you think that the Raiders use him as far as kind of they, – they brought him along slowly so far. How much kind of action do you think he can get potentially in game number one? Yeah, you know, I think um, they he'll get maybe ten snaps. You know, I, I don't expect him expect him to get a ton of snaps, especially if Chandler Jones is, is healthy. Uh, like I said, you know, he 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 just barely got back into practice. He has a lot to catch up on, and even you know, with not considering that he hasn't practiced much at all this off season, he was a project coming into. You know, as a draft prospect, he, he mm-hmm. was a project. There was a lot to like with the tools, but he also had a lot to learn as far as technique, as far as snap count and anticipation, uh, using his hands. And, I, you know, I thought he did a much better job of using his hands uh, in the limited action that he, he had, so that was encouraging. Uh, but there's a lot to catch up on him. I, I don't think he's a guy that you just throw out there for uh, 30, 40 snaps and he'll be okay. I mean, you know, he's going to make plays with his raw athleticism but he's going to have to uh, take some time and learn the scheme and, and just get his technique a little more consistent before he could be um, a bigger part of the rotation. There was a play where he was supposed to set the edge and he had that outside contain and he, he didn't do it, right? And, and Will Greer got outside of him and just ran into the, the end zone. It was an easy run. Uh, how much of it is discipline as well, just not being overzealous and eyes getting too big to try to get to the quarterback, but also understand your assignment? Yeah, he uh, it was a bootleg play, and he, he kind of fell for a fake. He, he was kind of a two-gap technique that's pretty tough for a defensive end. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just like things like that, you know, where you, you're, you're reading keys and, you know, as a veteran, you, you you know, you might be able to pick up a pre-snap cue that might tell you this is a play-action play, things like that. There, there's so many, you know, so much that he has to learn, so much that comes with experience. 
uh, that he'll get better at. You know, I, I think it'll, it'll be important for him to get those few reps and just kind of ramp up. But, you know, he, he's a guy that um, has a learning curve. We've talked about his body, his body type, and how he's very similar to Chandler Jones. And hell, with his length of his arms, he's got very similar to, to Max Crosby as well. With those long arms that he has, how how much of an advantage can that give him as far as just being a pass rusher and even even stopping the run in the NFL moving forward? Yeah, you know, like sometimes uh, arm length is is overrated, but I, I think with him, where it's like ninety, I, I forgot, like at least ninety five percentile. They're, they're so long. You're just able to separate from guys. It, it's hard for them to get into your body when you're able to get uh, your hands on them first. And that's why it's so important for him to be able to improve his, his hand placement and the speed of, uh, speed in which he uses his hands. And that's one of the things that the Raiders coaches were emphasizing with him is, you know, get your hands. It's a race to get your hands to, into the offensive lineman as fast as you can. That's how you use your length. Your length is not going to matter if your hands are too slow and those li- those linemen are able to get into you first. If you're able to get into them, that's when that length matters, and, and that's going to be um, one of the huge sticking points with Tyree, and that's something to watch out for as you know, he gets those reps. You know, we talked about Tyree when you were at the joint practices against the Rams and you saw him. He really made his debut then as far as practice goes. Did you see a little bit of improvement from the practice to what you saw on Saturday, or is it kind of the same same stuff that he's got to work on? Um, you know, like I said, in those practices, all he was doing was bag drills and sled drills. And, um, you know, they even talked about getting his hands up quicker on, on, on the sled. You know, I saw you know, he had to redo a rep because he tried to cock his hands back and then explode with his hands. Maybe that's something he learned in college. But in the NFL, you know, you can't coil your hands back. You need to just fire them off as soon as you get off that stance. So, um, you know, I saw him work on that in practice. I saw him. I saw Max Crosby pull him to the side. And, and talked about you know learning different pass rush moves with them in between drills, but really during those practices, you know he he wasn't doing much. As far as as Tyree goes and getting into the game on Saturday against the Cowboys again, that was his first action as an NFL player. How big of a step was that, knowing that he's coming back from that foot surgery? I think that's pretty big. I mean, I think that says that you know, he has some confidence in, in that foot holding up. You know. I think if there was any sort of regression, soreness, or, or whatever, they, they wouldn't have put him in the game. So I think that's a good sign that he, he feels good and he's ready to really start ramping up contact and, and getting you know getting back into full speed. What what would you consider a successful year one for, for Tyree Wilson? Um, I think you know, as far as statistics, obviously you want to see a good pressure rate. You know, I'm not going to really – look at the sack numbers with him. You know, I think, yeah. you know, we saw that he, he might have trouble finishing. You know, he, he's focused on his technique. He's focused on so many things. And, you know, when I talked to Max Crosby about how he improved at the pass rush, he, you know, and how he improved finishing on sacks, because if you remember early in his career, he did miss a lot of sacks, even though he was getting a lot of pressures. He said the game slowed down for him. So, you know, I think it's going to take a little while to slow down for Tyree. So, you know, you want to see him get good push. You want to see him be a plus run defender because the Raiders could really use that uh, on the edge. And, you know, you just want to see him get some nice pressures uh, when he's, he's in those pass situations. Is there a situation that you see or multiple situations that you can see throughout the course of the year where all three other guys are on the field at the same time, Max Chandler and Tyree? Yeah, sure. I, I think Tyree has the size to be able to uh, kick down inside uh, in certain schemes if they want. 
Uh, so they, they can get creative and put all those three three of those guys on, on the field at once. I mean, you can move Chandler Jones inside if you don't want Tyree to try to learn too much at once. Um, but you know, I, I can definitely see all three on, on the field in, in real password situations like third and long. You know, it's funny, Ted, when you, you know, you mentioned earlier about uh, Max missed a lot of, of sacks early in his career and, you know, Ch- uh, not Chandler Jones, but uh, Tyree, you know, obviously missed a couple opportunities on Saturday. Uh, whenever Raider Nation hears that, they automatically think of Arden Key. And to me, it's not Arden Key miss sacks. It's just it's just ma- uh, miss sacks from, from lack of reps and lack of actual football activities. I feel like Arden Key and Tyree Wilson are totally different. What are your thoughts between those two guys? Yeah, they're totally different guys. I mean, Arden Key was mostly a speed rusher um, early in his career. And, you know, as a speed rusher, those guys are susceptible to missing sacks because you could, you know, you're, you're flying off the edge. You're, you're not in control sometimes. And sometimes you try to circle uh, circle that arc and then you go over the quarterback. But um, I think with a power rusher like Tyree, uh, he, you know, the angles he's going to take are, are much more straight line towards the quarterback. And there's less of a chance of missing the quarterback when you're going straight to him. Do you expect to see him lined up like he was on that, that one where he bull rushed and looked like he took off from just about the sideline? I mean, he was so wide on that, uh, on that the way he lined up. Do you expect to see him and the Raiders put him in that position more often? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, like we talked about, speed to power is one of his best traits, and that was a very wide nine. But, yeah. you know, you saw how explosive he is, how quickly he was able to close that space. And, you know, with all that runway and momentum, you, you know, you, you saw what happened to the tackle. So I can definitely see – um, them doing that in those pass rush situations. I'll tell you what, it's going to take some getting used to seeing that number nine out there on the defensive line. It looks so so weird, so odd, so college football-like, but it's the NFL and, well, it's the new rules, and he can rock that number nine. So uh, it should be fun to watch him to continue to develop. Well, Ted, what else are you working on, man, that you got coming out in the athletic that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, I just wrote an article about my final preseason takeaways that talked a little bit about Aiden O'Connell, about how, you know, how a bunch of uh, rookie quarterbacks have taken the number two job in potential playoff teams. I know, I know the Raiders haven't named Aiden O'Connell the backup yet, and and Josh McDaniels was a, you know didn't really uh, want to answer that question and said you know it's a fluid situation. But I think eventually O'Connell is going to be the number two quarterback. And if you look around the league, there's a bunch of teams that you know have named um, some rookies their 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 backups like Sean Clifford with Green Bay and um, and Tyler Bagnett with the the Bears. And it's kind of interesting how many snaps these guys have taken in college and how experienced they are. And I think that kind of um, leads to how poised they look in the preseason, which helps them you know, win those jobs. How much do you think Brian Hoyer helps Aiden O'Connell just kind of learn this system? Brian Hoyer has been in this system a long time. So, you know, he, he knows the ins and outs of it. So uh, I'm sure he's like another coach in, uh, in O'Connell's year. I'm sure he's very helpful. All right, there it is. Good stuff right there. Well, Ted, we definitely appreciate you as always, my man. Good stuff, and uh, we'll talk soon. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. There he goes, Ted Wynn from The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at FB underscore Film Analysis. And little breakdown of Tyree Wilson, where he can get better, uh, what stood out. And I think that, again, if you're the Raiders and you're Raider Nation and you saw what Tyree Wilson was capable of just really as a raw player still learning to develop and that was something that you knew when he was drafted that he was going to have to learn and, and develop into an NFL player 
but just the raw traits that he has, I think that's something to get excited about. And I think that I think that Dave Ziegler is onto something, right? I think that Dave Ziegler and company found a really good player in Tyree, and if he could be that compliment to Max Crosby that everybody's been waiting for for so long, everyone thought that Chandler Jones was going to be that. At least I thought Chandler Jones was going to be that guy when they selected him or drafted him, not drafted him. They uh, they signed him as a free agent a year ago, and he just didn't turn out to be that guy. He got better as the season went along, but. Man, I'll tell you, if Tyree Wilson could turn into being that guy and being a real deal compliment to Max Crosby, that could be a real one-two punch. I mean, hell, even when the Raiders had Khalil Mack, remember everyone kept looking for that, that, that compliment to him, and Bruce Irvin was supposed to be that guy, and he was, he was okay. He was even good at times, but he was never great, right? I mean, so if they could find two guys that could be, you know, just great bookend edge rushers, and, and the way that they use Tyree Wilson, if they're able to use him up and down the line of scrimmage, that's a bonus. Uh, that's something to get excited about. So I do, I do think that they have a really good player there in Tyree Wilson. We'll see how they use him each and every week and how they continue to, to grow Tyree Wilson. But so far, 13 snaps, not a bad showing for the number seven overall pick. 3.44 is the time. We'll take a quick break. Come back, close out hour number two of the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, closing out hour number two of the show. It's Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. My man Ari's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio, Studio Q. Of course, is being brought to you by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. My guy Mordecai, definitely appreciate him, appreciate them. Threw a couple questions out there on the WBroke.com text line. What was your biggest surprise so far from cutdown day? And unfortunately, still don't have the official list of all the players that have been released. The Raiders usually kind of wait till later on in the day. They have it all in already. It had to be in by 1 p.m. Pacific time, but we don't have the official release of who's in, who is waived, who is put on IR, whatever the case may be, like they did on uh, Sunday when they had the first round of uh, releases come through. So we'll get it sooner rather than later, and when we do, of course, we'll talk about it. But so far from what you've heard, you know, maybe it's a Sam Webb, right? Maybe it's uh, Keelan Cole. Maybe it's, you know, I don't, who, plenty of other players. Uh, there's there's tons of them that have been already announced as uh, as being, you know, released, but nothing official. And then, of course, we found out about the Neil Farrell Jr. trade. One year with the silver and black after being, trade, being drafted by, by Dave Ziegler, traded to the Kansas City Chiefs for a six-round pick. What were your thoughts there? Got a couple texts here. Got a bunch of texts here, as a matter of fact. Um, got a text from the 805. I'm surprised the Raiders traded Neil to the Chiefs, but I'm uh, I'm gonna stick with Ziggler that he knows what he's doing. I just hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't stick it to us when he plays us. That's uh, a text from the 805. Uh, also got a text from LJ. Last thing I expected to read today was that we had a trade with Kansas City, regardless of the player, but was certainly surprised to see Farrell jettisoned after one season. That's from LJ. Uh, this one's from. This is a heck of a name. Vanilla Jedi listening in Poco, Poco, Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. Uh, do you think the Raiders are going to trade Hoyer to the Pats as they cut both their backups? I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. But I mean, it's it's a possibility. Even though what Brian Hoyer has said is that he was only going to play for Josh McDaniels because it's his system. But maybe because it's the Patriots and he knows that organization, maybe he would still still be willing to play there and 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 they still have the same principles of the Josh McDaniels offense. I mean, obviously familiarity is there, so I guess that could be a possibility. I just don't – I don't really see it. So there's – I guess there's that. Uh, Snake Man said, a thought, should the Raiders ever line Max and Tyree up on the same side? How is that blocked? Uh, that's a great question. 
And that's why I think that you'll see the three-headed monster out there. I think you'll see Chandler Jones. I think you'll see uh, Max Crosby and Tyree Wilson. Not all the time, obviously, but in certain, certain situations, I think that that would make all the sense in the world. Uh, I mentioned it before, that kind of that NASCAR package that the Giants had back in the day. I think that the Raiders could do that. And I think that that'd be a really, a really good way to attack the Chiefs when it's third and long or, you know, the Chargers when it's third and long or Denver week one when it's third and long. And, hey, you need to, you need to get off the field. What's the best way to do it? Have that three-headed monster going after the quarterback. I could definitely see that happening. Uh, checking out some more texts on the don'tbebroke.com text line. Again, 69187, keyword r This one's from Barry. What up, Q? Just my opinion, but Bolden seems like a waste of a roster spot. I get it. He plays special teams and knows McDaniels and has leadership, which helped last year. I just think that they could find a runner, a cheaper running back and younger to play his role. That's from Barry in Baltimore. And yeah, that's one of the running backs that was released, not, not Brandon Bolden, but Damian Williams. I'm glad you brought up the running back position. Damian Williams, who had the touchdown run on Saturday against the Cowboys, he was released. And I know he's not a younger guy. He's 31, been in the league eight years. But, you know, he just he showed a little something, something, a little burst. But uh, right now it looks like that they have uh, Brandon Bolden still in the mix. But, again, like I said, I don't know officially until we get that list. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. we'll see who they hold on to. I believe it will obviously be Jacobs, Zamir, and Amir Abdullah. Will they hold on to Britton Brown? Or Britton Brown's on the IR, excuse me. Will they hold on to Brandon Bolden? Will they, you know, move on from Sincere McCormick? Will they move on from, you know, other? they have other running backs in the stable as well. So they have a pretty deep room. I, and I think if it came down to Sincere McCormick and, and uh, Brandon Bolden, they'll probably hold on to Brandon Bolden. But I know on my 53-man roster that I put together last night, I, I, I moved on from Brandon Bolden as well. I just felt like he was kind of older and, you know, didn't bring a whole lot to the table. So I uh, I stuck with uh, – who did I stick with? I could look at my list right now. Hold on, I have it right here. I had – oh, I had Damian Williams on my list. And so he's already been released. So clearly I didn't <laughs> – I didn't get that one right. But I had Jacobs, White, um, Jacobs, White, Bolden, and Williams. No, how did, no, I didn't. I didn't have Bolden. I had Abdullah. That's right. Jacobs, White, Abdullah, and Damian Williams. Man, I didn't mess that all up. But, uh, yeah, I had, I, had, uh, I had all those guys. And so – Williams is already gone. Uh, let's see. What else do we got? Uh, Mailman Raider. I think them trading away Farrell shows that they're not afraid to say that, hey, we messed up. Let's cut our losses. And I believe they've done this before as well. And to get a pick back out of it is great. Uh, he was probably going to get cut. Never been big on this staff, but I like the move. And that's the thing about it. And some people aren't very high on, on actually moving on from a player so quickly like they did with Neil Farrell. But you're right. If they just don't see success in their future with them, I could totally see him saying, you know what, let's just cut our losses. It, was, it didn't work out the way we wanted it to, and we'll move on. And if they were going to cut him or release him anyway to be able to get anything out of it is good. And that's something that so far since Dave Ziegler's been with the, the Raiders, he, you, you've seen him do that. You've seen him go out and get you know, a, a draft pick for Trayvon Mullen. You saw him go out there and get a draft pick for Brian Edwards. You've seen him go out there and get draft picks for certain guys that they're able to, you know, they're able to move on from uh, before they move on. Now, there's certain guys that they weren't able to, uh, like Derek Carr. That situation was never able to get any draft capital. They had to flat-out release him, but the writing was on the wall, and no team was going to offer up anything. So sometimes they get it, sometimes they don't, and that's how it's always going to be. It's just, like, it's just like in the draft. Sometimes you're going to hit on a player, and other times you won't. So uh, thank you for that. Keep those texts coming, 69187, keyword R&R. &R. Coming up, hour number three of the show, Coach Vernon Brown will lead us off. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.